Amen. So, uh, as I said, we're going to pick up in Psalm 77, uh, and and then we'll, uh, like I said, Lord willing, get through 78 also. Um, we should, we should, we should have some time here as long as I keep on a good pace. So, uh, Psalm 77, I, I like the, the title that was added in my Bible. It says, The Consoling Memory of God's Redemptive Works. Um, uh, the, the memory of God's redemptive works. It's when we forget God's redemptive works that we get into the mindset that the psalm, psalmist is writing in the first place, right? So, so let's, let's uh, jump into reading here to the chief musician, to uh, Jedithan, uh Psalm of Asaph. So Asaph's got some really great psalms that are shared with us here in the scriptures. Uh, of a, uh, a uh, wonderful writer. The Lord used him powerfully. So he says here, in, uh, it says here in verse 1, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in uh, the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. So, uh, what we'll see as we're reading here is, is a reflection on a past situation. There's something there uh, that's happening in Asaph, and, and he, he has to reflect on God. And, and what we'll see here in the first few verses is the questions that come into his mind when he loses proper sight. He's saying, you know, where he was, and, and, and then he had to be uh, reminded by the Lord. And he found that consolation that's uh, spoken of in that subtitle there, uh, and, and meditating on the redemptive works that God has already shown them. So uh, as, as we look here, uh, look at verse 1. It says, I cried out to the Lord with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. Uh, that's important for us. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but there are times where I've prayed and been like, I, God, I believe in you and everything. And I'm like, in the back of my mind, I believe the exact opposite. God doesn't hear me. Uh, he doesn't care about what's going on here. Right? Our circumstances lie to us. And, uh, and our hearts lie to us. You know, when, when the scriptures say, and you guys have heard me say this before, don't ever trust our hearts. We cannot trust. It's wicked, exceedingly wicked above all things. <laughs> like, like, that's pretty bold, you know, for the scriptures to say, you know, those because what happens then? Then we start following our feelings. If if we're if we're trusting in what's what's within us, within our own hearts, we're always going to be led astray. But if we're trusting in the Word, uh, that's where we're going to find our foundation and and uh, the the firm foundation that we need in our lives. But but you know, I always I don't remember who sang it, but that '80s song, "Listen to Your Heart When It's Calling for You" and all that stuff. Don't listen to your heart, right? That's I always add that in there. I have to remind myself, don't listen into my heart because if I listen to my heart I find myself in this mindset of God's not listening God doesn't care and uh, you know there's there's a victory all around me but God isn't really listening to me uh, we can get into that mindset so he starts off right verse one I cried to the Lord and he heard but then he, he reflects on what his mindset was so he, he starts off saying I, I cried out to the Lord with my voice to God with my voice and he gave ear to me and now he's reflecting on the day of his trouble Verse 2, and uh, he says that in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. So talking about the distressing circumstances at night, you know, the soul refusing to be comforted, um, a spirit that's overwhelmed. You know, what do we do in those times? You know, we can, uh, there are two options, right? We can give in to the circumstances 
and let those chew us up. You guys ever been there? Just where you're you're putting yourself in the meat grinder, right? We, you know, just right in and just getting chewed up and everything. And then the Lord will will gently, and it's been my experience, whisper to me, like, "Are you are you done putting yourself through that? You know, because I've been here all along, right? And 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 the comfort that God has, you know, we can give it to the Lord and trust and rest in Him, right? You know, uh, Shane Shane shares uh, every Thursday a favorite verse of his. You know, come to me, all you are. Um, Weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, right? Is that the one? You, yeah. And and I will give you rest. You're gonna find rest for our souls in in the Lord. Uh, that's that's what God has for us. God doesn't have torment uh, like our circumstances and like this world has to offer us. God has the rest. He has the peace. Uh, he has those things in mind for His children. Um, you know, none of us are going to look at a kid and be like, hey, get out of here, kid, when they need to be consoled, right? That's that's not a and, – and I love that God puts us – he's like, you being evil, if you know that, that that you could be that consolation, even in your wicked heart, you're going to console that kid, right? How much greater your your holy God, you know, the, the loving father for us that, you know, we're, we're so often to question his His love and, and – uh, um, his uh, his cares for us, you know. That's a um, that we can we can let our circumstances convince us that God uh, isn't listening. And what do we do in that point? We get to a point where our souls refuse to be comforted, and um, uh, you know, spirit is overwhelmed. The the this world will overwhelm us. The circumstances of this world will overwhelm us if our focus isn't right. Right? We just sang that song. I want to live like my whole world revolves around you, and you're the center. Of it all, having Christ as the center of everything, uh, <clears throat> not just in a sweet song that uh, Dave Morrow wrote uh, and uh, that that we can reflect on and sing and pour our hearts out here and then walk out of here and forget. But if we, if He truly is the center of our lives, when we're faced with these things, we know what to do, and we go to God. And this is too much for. And God, God, and you guys know I've said this before. God loves to give us more than we can handle. You know, the, the mindset of God will never give you more than you can handle isn't, in my view, isn't biblical. I mean, God gave, I mean, when you think of, okay, in, in our our, Sunday, our Wednesday night study, we're, we're, we're studying Exodus, right? Uh, Israel could not handle Egypt. <laughs> they're, they're sitting ducks, right? They're sitting uh, right on the shore of the Red Sea, and here comes Egypt ready to come in and, and, and just take over. And, and they have nothing. God loves to bring us to the point where it's complete, uh, where we see that he is the only option for us. And then he shows himself strong, right? In our weakness, he is strong. He loves to point out his strength in our weakness because it, it, it helps us to understand who he is and so that we don't lose sight of that. So uh, when we see these verses here about, about soul refusing to be uh, comforted and that there's an overwhelm, I, I, I've told you guys, I know uh, for me, I've been at that overwhelming point in my life for months. It was forever. It felt like 15 years and the next day seemed like it was an eternity. To be in that spot was not healthy for I had to get to a different, a different mindset in my life. There needed to be change in my life, and there was. And, uh, but God sustained me through it. And I think that any of us, if we're looking at our lives, we can look back and go, God was strong right there. God, I needed him right there, and he was strong right there. Uh, so there's, uh, when we come to a point of, of being overwhelmed, understand that it, the circumstance isn't too much for God. Verse 4. <clears throat> You hold my eyelids open 
I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. So, you know, when you look at verse 4, it's continuing to speak of this deep situation and these days without joy and nights without sleep. Um, uh, as I just said, you know, I've, I've been there. I think many of us have been in those points. Uh, we find ourselves without joy. We have to reflect on the scriptures, right? What's a fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, right? Um, the joy and the peace. Uh, those things are going to come together, right? <laughs> the, all of those things are going to come together with the fruit of the spirit in our lives. If we notice that there's a, there's something missing, I'm not walking. I don't have the joy in my life. I can 100% guarantee you it's not because God is not faithful. Uh, it's it's not. It's what is what needs to change in my life or in my mindset that needs to remind me of who God is. Or do I need to forsake something, confess it, forsake it, and turn back to God in in, in repentance? But if we ever get to that point where we're feeling that uh, that that we're uh, again, there's the warning against feelings, right? We don't follow our feelings. We, we've understood that. We've talked about that. Um, but that's often what happens. Feelings are overwhelming us, right? There are those things. But God doesn't go anywhere. But uh, if we find ourselves without joy uh, and we're not sleeping at night, uh, it, it, is, it is sin for us to worry and act like God can't help us. You know, it's an offense to him, right? Like I know, especially with my kids, if they're, I don't know, having a problem zipping up their zipper of their, of their, their, uh, coat or something. And they're freaking out. Well, you can't help me with this. This thing's too broken. You know, and I'm like, what are you talking? Get over here and I can zip it right up. It's the same type of mindset, right? We think our problem, what we're dealing with is, is too much for God. And God's like, do you need my help? I, I'll just be, uh, and I'm not speaking for God. This is just, you know, uh, I, I'm just, uh, uh, it's just a certain, just trying to de describe the insanity of a circumstance, right? You know, God, God could literally be standing right there. Hey, I got it. You want me to take care of this? Nope. I got it. I got it right here. And just getting frustrated. I'm going to get the zipper up myself. You know, uh, you know, I can put my mittens on and you remember as a kid, you know, you, you get to a point you're like, Oh, I didn't think this through. How am I going to get the other mitten on? Right. And you're fighting and just, just asking God for help rather than the frustration of, of trying to do it ourselves where he's, he's, he's right there. So if we find ourselves with our eyelids so that they can't open and, and that we can't even speak, uh, go to the Lord and, and lay it at his feet and ask him. I like here in verse 6, it says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart and my spirit makes diligent search that... Uh, you know, that you know, pondering uh, diligently uh, on God, and and thinking about you know, you know what am I dealing with here, and um, you know th those types of things, because this world wants to just medicate these types of things away. Oh, you're dealing with this. Here's a pill to to fix it. Um, rather than than going, hey, why don't we why don't we you know look at our lives and understand that that maybe what we need is uh, just to trust in the Lord. And, and to meditate, if we want to meditate on something, meditate on, like I, I shared this morning, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Something where our, our mind and our focus gets set on Christ. And, and then he gives us the peace that surpasses all understanding, right? 
that that's where that peace is going to come from because the the overwhelming part and and the ability to not shut our eyes and, and that our speech isn't even right that's not from the lord if it is it's to remind us where we're broken but uh, but it's 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 a, a a departure or 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 not remembering who God is and what He can and does do in our lives that brings us to those spots. But if we uh, have a diligent search and we're looking deep into things, we're going to find the answer, and the the answer is the Lord. Verse seven. So there's a series of questions here. You know, will the Lord cast off forever, and will He be favorable no more? Has His mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? <laughs> Has he, in anger, shut up his tender mercies? Now, we can look at these things and, and know these are silly questions. But this is Asaph pouring his heart out. And, and as he's pouring his heart out, we can look at these things and, you know, what, what's the answer to all of these, right? Will the Lord cast off forever? No. Right? Uh, will he uh, be favorable no more? Of course not. <clears throat> Has his mercy ceased forever? No. Has his promise failed forevermore? No. Has God forgotten to be gracious? Oh my goodness. If he has, we're done. Right? It doesn't take long, right? Uh, it, sometimes it might be, uh, it, it, we might get to a point where, uh, you know, we would be done so quick that we could say amen and church service gets over and then there's one donut left. Am I going to be selfish or am I going to give it to the person that says, I haven't had breakfast today, right? You know, that could be where, oh, hey, there isn't enough grace. You know, I was selfish and I put myself in front of somebody else, right? Just, just think of how far we would get without the graciousness of God, without his graciousness. Oh, man. Has, has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? The answer to all of these is no. You know, God, God hasn't uh, been at this point where uh, he, has, he has turned and walked away and that, he's, uh, that there's no hope to be found in him. Hebrews 13, 5, uh, he says, I will uh, never leave you or forsake you, or forsake you is, is being quoted there. I will never leave you or forsake you. Think of the comforting things that God said to someone like Joshua in Joshua chapter one, he's about ready to take over the nation, right? And uh, he's going to be the leader. Moses passing away. and God has to continuously tell him, don't be afraid. I'm with you. That constant, do not be afraid. I'm with you. That constant uh, reminder there. So the answer to all these questions is no, you know, God, God hasn't uh, cast them off forever and his mercy hasn't ceased. You know, these are these are things we could sit there and meditate on that. Just that verse. Those two verses, we won't tonight. I won't I won't uh, <clears throat> overdo that. But when we can look at all these questions and understand the answer to all of them is no, because if they're yes for anything. Wow. As I've described, like as I just spoke of without grace, without mercy, without uh, the Lord's promises. Without his favor, that's a that's a helpless, excuse me, a helpless and hopeless life. Just without those things. But with the answer being, have these things ended? The answer being no, there's great hope for us. Because without those things, our lives are are in complete disarray. <clears throat> Verse 10. And I said, and I said, This is my my anguish. 
But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. So uh, when in verse 10 where it starts and it says, uh, and I said, this is my anguish. And then there's the shift here. It's like uh, he's being honest about uh, the questions he had and what he was dealing with and the ability to not sleep and, and there was no joy and peace in his life. And then he, he there's a switch here, uh, that, that contrast word there with, but I will remember. So he starts listing the things that he will remember here. Uh, and uh, verse 10 says, I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders, and uh, you have declared your strength among the peoples. You have, with your right arm, redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Now, uh, looking at, at all these reflections here, and uh, f for me it's the, um, you know, looking at verses you know, 10, 11, and how it starts here, remember David commanding his soul to praise the Lord? <laughs> he, he had to. Right, because his emotions were were bringing him to a point of disarray, and uh, and there were times where, and we've talked about this, right? There are times where we don't want to be uh, taking the spiritual road. We want to take the earthly way of following our emotions. Every single time we follow our emotions and our feelings, we end up at a a bad point for us in our lives. Brokenness, right? We we end up in complete chaos every single time where we depart from trusting God and we follow our emotions. Our emotions are always going to get the best of us if we don't command and, and control uh, those emotions. I want to uh, share a verse here. I just need to get to it um, really fast. Philippians 4, 8. I have it written in my Bible. Finally, brethren. Uh, so there's a when you look at, at, at verse 12, it says, I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Uh, you know, if we want to meditate on something, what does Paul write to the Philippians in Philippians 4, 8? He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You know, that that's what we meditate on, the good things of the Lord, the goodness of of, of God here where the psalmist is writing here. I will also meditate on your work uh, When you look back on all your work when we can look back in our lives and go God I can look in the scripture and I see your work what you've done the redemptive work that you did in Israel the redemptive work that you've done for me and uh, the salvation available to me and, and your display of, of your love for us and the grace and the mercy, all these things, because the circumstances will have us questioning, has God's mercy, has his faithfulness, has this, uh, all these things gone? But when we switch our mind, right, bring every thought into captivity and obedience of Christ, right? When we bring those things to memory and we, and we train our mind 
to not follow those emotions, but we get to that point where we're going to control those and bring them and compare them to the word, right? Where we can open up Philippians 4, 8 and say, what am I going to meditate on? Whatever things are good, pure, lovely, those are the things I'm going to meditate on because all of this junk is just taking my sleep from me. It's taking my joy. It's taking my peace. It's stripping all these things away. And this psalmist is saying, I had to remember who God is and what he's done. And when I did, that's when we can we, we get a proper mindset of, of where our lives and our hearts are supposed to be. You know, and we can repent and go back and go to God, put our head down and go, I'm sorry. And he can just put his hand on our shoulder and say, that's okay. You know, let's let's move forward. But uh, following the emotions, they're just going to bring us to points of despair. Verse 16. says, the waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. Their voice, uh, the voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. You led the people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. You know, focusing on God, who uh, on who God is and what he has done will carry us through those dark, hard times. And there, there's the mindset. We saw you see the switch happening as as we're reading these these uh, verses and we're going through this psalm. There's the uh, you know where his heart took him when he was following his emotions, and then there's the proper focus there. You know, then we get through the situation. Uh, we can find ourselves. Uh, I can identify with this. Uh, and I'm sure uh, a lot of us, if we're being honest, not all of us, you know, some of us are a little more, uh, uh, you know, focused on, uh, you know, facts or uh, uh, be are, are able to reel ourselves in quicker or whatever. But, uh, you know, there have been times in my life that I have just let the emotions go for a while and just it's my mind just being in a blender. And just going, what is happening in life and everything and the chaos and everything. And then, you know, the Lord delivers me out of that, reminds me who he is. And uh, and just that that soft whisper that he gives us. And, and we understand who he is and, and what he's done and that he's mighty to save. So a great psalm of remembering God's faithfulness, even when we uh, don't... Uh, maybe in our circumstance, um, feel <laughs> that God is there, right? But what do our feelings do but deceive us, right? Um, so let's uh, move into 78. This is a long psalm, um, but uh, I'm, I'm confident we should be able to get through this. You know, the, the focus is God's kindness to uh, rebellious Israel. <clears throat> so another one of, of Asaph here. Verse 1, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears uh, to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We, uh, we will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, 
which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright all, and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Uh, there was, uh, so there's the, uh, the picture of what, was, what the uh, elders of Israel were responsible for doing, to pass on their faith to their families. It's, it's being said here. Now, these are probably going to sound familiar. Deuteronomy uh, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 9. Lightning Fingers is already typing it up. I saw her over there. Um, and I have my, my notes written today. Um, but Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9 says, Only take heed to yourselves and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and grandchildren. There was the reminder. I like that the, in the first verse, uh, sorry, in verse 9 says, only take heed to yourself, right? There's the responsibility to keep ourselves in check. Um, rather than sitting here and pointing our fingers at, you know, the generation that came before or the generation that comes next, what about us? We're responsible to keep ourselves in check and then to pass those things on down. And that's what they, they were, and diligently keep yourself. That means you've got to work at it. That, that means this requires work that, that we would, uh, and it says here, uh, lest you forget the things that God has done. You know, because if we forget what God has done, like we were just studying in Psalm 77, our, our uh, perspective gets off. And when our perspective is off, we lose uh, a track of where we're supposed to be spiritually. But their, their mindset, their responsibility was to keep, uh, take heed to themselves and diligently keep themselves so that they could pass on that legacy of faith to the next generation. It's the same here. You know, I'm, I, I, Jen and I are responsible for our three daughters. They are God's children. Our, our responsibility is to train them up in the way they should go. And then when they are old, like the scripture says, they, they won't depart from God's word. If, if they get to a point where they're always going to know where we, we stood. You know, and they, they're going to have a, a decision to make. But the scriptures say if we train them up, they're properly trained, they won't depart. Now, does that mean that, that nobody has ever departed uh, from a faithful parents, uh, departed from the Lord, even being trained up? No, but there's the, 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 the graciousness of God to remind us that, hey, your job is to train them up. And once they know what is right and wrong, then it's their responsibility to take heed to themselves. Right, because they have their own relationship with God, and that relationship with God, as they grow older, they're supposed to pass on to the next generation. Right? Because look at verse seven. It says that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments, and uh, may uh, and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. That there would be a difference. Right, that that they wouldn't just say, "Well, these guys did it," uh, you know. And, and think of think of how many people, um, and maybe that's some of us, where we say, "Well, my mom and dad did this, so I'm going to do it," you know. And, and uh, well, they did it, so I didn't really have a choice or whatever. No, that's not what it is. We all have a a 
an option. We all we all have the freedom to not continue in the way that the the first generation did, and we're called out from that. But it should be that a generation of faith is training up the next generation. That's what's being said here. God set up a wonderful plan for them. Deuteronomy six, uh, verses six and seven. And these words which I command you uh, today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall teach them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. I hope I didn't miss anything there, uh, that you should talk, teach them diligently to your children and you'll talk to them uh, when you sit in the house. You know, that, that these would be shared, that practical sharing of our faith. Uh, just, hey, when you're in the house and, you know, eating dinner and there's just a discussion about faith or, you know, hey, what's going on in church? You know, what did you read this morning? You know, or, hey, we were at youth group and this was, or maybe it's in the car and they didn't really had chariots back then or whatever, but most people are just getting around on the family donkey or whatever, so it probably wasn't a great, uh, you know, uh, you know, conversation or whatever, and yeah, kind of an uncomfortable ride. Maybe not a whole lot of discussion, but we're we're pretty spoiled these days, right? We're riding around, you know, air conditioned seats and uh, you know heated seats and all these things, and uh, you know we can we can get to a point where we're just having conversations and just everyday things that come up that we're sharing our faith with our children, and uh, and the, the kids that are running around in this church investing in them that the next generation uh, would be uh, would be encouraged. I love that when it just says, well, you're walking by the way, when you're in your house, just just in the normal things that are going on, uh, that, that there would be a passing on of, of this faith. You know, God would be everything to them. Then we see uh, the change here. Verse 9, then the, cho uh, the children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders uh, that he had shown them. So this is, uh, we see what God had instituted, and then we see how man messed it up. Right. That's that's a common three theme throughout Scripture. Right. This is just a summary of it. The The responsibility was for one generation to pass it on to another. And here's uh, one example of the them not them turning back, them not keeping the covenant. They refused and they forgot. You know, when you look at those words, they did not keep. They refused. They forgot. Uh, it's willful neglect of their relationship with God. You know, God remains faithful. It's it's man who stray. Uh, so so that's that's what's being portrayed here. It wasn't like, hey, and they did everything they should, but God just walked out. You know, they, notice that's nowhere in the scripture where where someone's serving the Lord and they're following the Lord as they should, and God just says, "Hey, I gotta go, kid. You know, good luck to you, and uh, hope everything works out okay." No, it's us saying, hey, God, don't need you here. I'm just going to do it this way instead. And and we see that sadly portrayed here uh, in what is said in those verses. Verse 12, marvelous things he did in the sight of our fathers, in the land of Egypt, in the, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters uh, stand up like a heap. In the daytime, also he led them with the cloud and all the night 
uh, with the light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink in abundance uh, like the depths. He also brought streams out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. So they, they saw great miracles of God's provision. He's showing himself strong, and he showed them that they could trust in him. They could trust in him for daily provision of food, um, miraculous water from a rock, shade during the day, warmth and, and light at night. Uh, and they, they had everything there. Sounds, sounds like a pretty good deal. You know, you don't have to worry. Literally, you don't have to worry about anything. All they had to do was just follow. That's all they had to do. They had, they had no bills to pay. They had no anything like that. Now, we can put that into perspective today. We just go and we do as we're supposed to do, go to work, be uh, honoring the Lord in our lives, and he's going to provide, right? That's that's the promise. That's what you know. What Jesus said, you know, our Father knows our needs, and he's going to meet them. That's what he was telling us. That's what he taught, that there isn't too much there, that, that, that God's going, oh, he, you know, I can't really provide for you your daily bread. Sorry, guys. You know, it's us that, that that we get off on the wrong foot. You know, think of how miraculous it was for them to every day they've got they've got fresh manna and they've got a rock providing water. Have you ever split a rock before and does water come out of it? No, it's as dry as it gets. What comes out of it? Dust, right? I mean, you just take a hammer and pound a rock and it's just Part of, don't do that without glasses on, but you know, <laughs> there, there's just particles, right? And there's dust that comes out. There's no water within there. There's no sustenance. God doing miraculous things, providing for them in, in ways that can never be explained by any scientific method at all. Like, oh, so you mean just like provision. We were talking, I, I can't remember who I was talking with right after church today, but we were talking about, I think it was you, Shane, maybe, um, about Elijah being provided for uh, by birds. Right. And, and, and then God, God sends him to a widow. Right. And, you know, he has him meet up with a widow who's about to cook her last meal. Uh, so her and her son can just eat the last meal. And there's just an obedience that's called that's called for there. And God miraculously provides there. He does it all through the scripture. He does it all through our lives. Right. We're still here. Right. <laughs> we may have we may have come upon uh, some hard times in our lives, but here we are. We're still here. God hasn't forsaken us. But even, uh, even though Israel saw all these things, they still turned. It still was not enough for them. You know, I'm just reminded of, you know, Paul writing, godliness with contentment is great gain. <laughs> there was no contentment here, right? They, they get to the point where they're like, all we have is a stupid free manna, right? That's all they get to that point where they're like, it's just miraculous food that shows up every day. You know, and they get to the point where they're tired of it, right? God deals with them with that too. We'll look at it here. But, but, look at verse 17. But they sinned even more against him by rebelling against the Most High uh, in the wilderness. And they tested God in their heart by asking for food of their fancy. Yes, they, uh, yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? These are stupid questions. We, we ask stupid questions when our hearts aren't in the right spot, 
when, when there's sin ruling our lives. We, get, we ask stupid things. We think stupid things. We say stupid things when our, when our lives aren't in proper order with the Lord. You know, and, and, and just to think what, what God has done. But what we see here, that verse 17, again, there's that contrast word, but, right? You know, they sinned even more, it says. They rebelled, they tested God, they questioned him. Can he really provide? <laughs> right? Can he really provide? You know, uh, you know, it's, you know, you know, the, basically taking the mindset, oh, that sounds cute. Is it for real? You know, God, is this stuff all for real? How many times they'd see the miraculous deliverance of the Lord, right? And as soon as anything came up, they're like, you brought us here to kill us, right? And then God parts the Red Sea and they walk through and they get to the other side. They get a little hungry. You brought us out here to starve us to death. Like, guys, did you not see all the miracles and all those things? We must realize if we're properly looking in the, in, in the mirror that when we get into that little whiny mindset, we're just like them. You know, when our, when our minds aren't right and when our, our focus is not where it needs to be, right? When we're, uh, if we're in a backslidden state and we're not focusing as we need to, we question God just like these guys did. Because we can look back and go, they saw all these things. How could they question God? And, and we might just get God looking at us, right? <laughs> might not even have to say anything to us, right? He might just, he might just remind us in our heart, oh, no, you've never done that, John? <laughs> oh, sorry, I'll... Uh, just uh, grab my Bible. I have a Bible study now here and uh, get my heart right. Verse 21, therefore, the Lord heard this and was furious. <clears throat> so a fire was kindled against Jacob and, and anger also came up against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Yet he has commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna on them to eat and, and uh, given them, uh, yeah, yeah, had, sorry, had rained down uh, manna on them to eat and given them uh, of the bread of heaven. Men ate angels' food. He sent them food to the full. I mean, uh, just just look at that. God heard and was furious because look at his provision, right? Look at verse 22. Why was he angry? Because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Wow. <laughs> right? That I mean, think about it, right? You ever been to a point in your life that maybe you were the one that was taking advantage of somebody or you, you, you flipped that on the other end that you were the one and then you're like, have they not seen how I've done this, this, and this for them? I'm done. I'm not helping them anymore. Right? Or we might have been the one that heard that. Right? That's it. You, you've, you've used up your last favor or whatever it is. Uh, you know, what God is saying here is, is uh, you know, these guys with their hearts here that they didn't believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. What did God do to ever lose their trust? And uh, and their their belief in him and their uh, their trust in his salvation. The answer would be nothing, right? It's because of their sinfulness. You know where it says here that they ate angels' food. God provided for them. Gave them food and water. Gave them everything they needed. <clears throat> but their hearts were departing. From the Lord, you know, I don't know how we get to that point 
you know, it's easy to point at them and kind of laugh. But, um, you know, when we see here, uh, you know, their wicked hearts, we could easily uh, and have easily in our lives gotten to that point. We need to keep ourselves like we have to be diligent about our relationship with the Lord to keep ourselves accountable. We get to that point where we're starting to oh, I have this stupid house and this stupid car, this stupid job, and God didn't provide this. And if God really wanted that, you know, right, we can do those things to ourselves. You know, you're kicking the can down the street or that rock and stupid thing. And right, we get to that that point of whininess. You know, but their their soul, their big problem was 22 because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. That's a very bad place to be spiritually. Verse 26, he caused an east wind to blow in the heavens and by his power, he brought in the south wind. He also rained meat on them like the dust, a feathered fowl like the sand of the seas. And he let them fall in the midst of their camp and uh, all around their dwellings. So they ate and were filled, for he gave them their own desire. They were not uh, deprived of their craving. But while their food was still in their mouths, the wrath of God came against them and slew the stoutest of them and struck down the choice men of Israel. So that was the response. They They don't they don't, and we're going to get to that. We're in our Old Testament study. We're going to get to the point of, oh, you know, you you, you want to keep questioning, you want to keep complaining. Then they're going to they're going to see God's chastening that that comes on them. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd much rather just be content with what He's given me than to sit there and complain about what He's given us and and have an ungrateful heart because we see the destruction that happened in their lives. And brought on the wrath of God upon themselves. And uh, they they get to that, that point in their lives uh, where they're being struck down. Look at verse 32. In spite of this, they still sinned and did not believe in his wondrous works. Therefore, their days he consumed in uh, their, therefore the days uh, their days he consumed in futility and their years in fear. Uh, that's not any uh, spot I want to be in in life. It's not any any spot that any of us would want to be in. Verse 34, when he slew them, then they sought him, and they returned and sought earnestly for God. So once you get the correction, it's, oh, hey, we got the, the, the spanking, right? Now we need to seek God. And, uh, okay, we're, we're, we, we feel bad about what we've done it is really what's happening, what's being described here. Because uh, look at 35, then they remembered that God was their rock and the most high God, their redeemer. Nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouth and they lied to him with their tongue for their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. You know, though, so they, they, there's the regret, right? There's, there's, there's certain points we can get to in life where there's, we're living in regret. Uh, so we regret what we did because of the circumstances that we're, that we're, we're currently in. But we can live in that regret and experience that regret. But if that doesn't lead us to repentance, then all we're doing is we're sorry for what we're doing because of uh, the punishment that we're receiving, right? The, because of what we've done. And we see that in the judicial system, right? There's the, there's the I regret doing this because I got caught. And now I've got to go pay for the penalty for what I did, right? But the repentance, 
that, that if the repentance doesn't come, there's just regret. There's sorrow over the penalty. But if there's a repentance, then there's a change, and that stuff is no longer going to be in our lives. That should be the outcome. But, but what's being described here is that's not. You know, they start seeking God, but their hearts, right? You know, what, what was said before, that they're honoring God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. Right there, there, there's the, that's the problem. Is yeah, hey, hey, we're gonna get. I'm gonna get back. I'm gonna go to church. I'm gonna do all those things, and I'm gonna check off the boxes. I'm gonna come. And I'm gonna sit in church, and I'm not gonna go here, and, and I'm not gonna do those things for this amount of time. And hopefully, God will restore everything. Instead, because that's the way. That's a controlled thing where we can still hold on to what we want to, but but we're not in complete surrender to God. Right. We're trying to make that that happy deal where, hey, I'm going to pull one over on God. He'll never get it, right? <laughs> you guys ever been there? Like, oh God, hopefully God doesn't isn't looking at the, the deep intents of my, you know, uh, parts of my heart. Yes, He does. He knows the intents of our heart. Uh, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows. Uh, and you've heard me share this. Knows the number of hairs on our heads. I mean, that's 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 quite an in, in, intense knowledge and an intimate knowledge of us. He knows everything about us. That's what Jesus was saying. He knows everything about you. He knows you so well that, you know, you can, you know, count the numbers of hairs that you have. I mean, that's a that's an intimate knowledge that none of us have of anybody. No, no matter how much I love my kids, I have no idea how many hairs. They're girls, so there's a ton of them. And I can share you. I can show you that on the brush. You know, you look at the brush and it's just like, whoa, it doesn't take long. And then you've got to take the comb and rip all those out, right? There's a lot of them there, and I'll never, I'll never be able to count them all. You know, I've looked at my dog. I've got, we've got this chocolate lab. You guys have met Coda before. He is co he just uh, my and our dog we had before that uh, uh, Rocco double coated uh, 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 red fox lab, which is like a. Um, uh, Fox Red, sorry, Fox Red, Fox, whatever. He's a yellow lab, but there's uh, another uh, lab there with uh, called Fox Red or Red Fox. I can't remember what it is. You guys get the point, right? So he had this really cool tip, but man, did he shed like crazy, didn't he? I mean, we would, we would, we would use the Ferminator, you know. It, 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 you know, we were looking at all these things, and we would brush him every single day. And uh, and sometimes twice a day, even. But he's double coated. It's and when he'd get wet, he was wet for days. Even though we're like going through towel after towel, it seemed like he smelled like wet dog all the time, right? Just to just to. And I'll look at him and like I don't know how many. I don't even know how I could think of a number, right? But God knows us just so. He knows our hearts. He knows our minds so so well. You know, we there there's there's the intimate knowledge that God has of us that that we can say we can do all the things that seem like they're Christian and that we're being. But it's the heart that God is after. Right. That's that. He's not satisfied with just the hey, you're doing all the religious activity. God's never been interested in a religious activity ever. It's all been about it's been about the heart. There has been things that he instituted to point to uh, the, the, the greater to point to Christ. But it's never been about that. It's always been about our hearts. He's always wanted our hearts. He want, and, and, and that's, that's uh, the important thing as we're looking here. You know, because you look at verse 36. Nevertheless, they flattered him uh, with their mouth, but, but they lied to him with their tongue. For their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. They were just, it's lip service. You know, we're going to do all these things and we're going to seek God and we're going to do all those things. But it's kind of like when you were a kid, you know, you'd say, no, really, 
I swear, and you got your hands, your fingers crossed behind your back, right? You know, and, and, and somebody, no, let me see your hands. You know, I remember doing that as a kid. No, I need to see your hands. Your fingers aren't crossed, right? Do you swear to it? You know, you have all these things, right? It's all about the heart. But look at verse 37, not 38. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity. <laughs> Guys, there, there's no explanation for that other than what we were studying in, in Psalm 77. His mercy, you know, his faithfulness, those things that he's not forsaken, right? Look at these things. He, there's this big long list of their their uh, their adultery within their heart and, and that they're committing against God. And what does he say here? But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity. Is that right there? A uh, that should be something that that points to uh, repentance and that desire to know God and to live for him. That verse there, uh, however, if we're living sinfully, we'll take that and say, oh, God's grace will cover this. I can continue in this in this mindset. No, that's not what the grace is offered there to deliver us from that, right? And and to heal our hearts and heal our minds from those things. You know, that that's what he really wants for us is the freedom from sin, not the freedom to sin. So if, if, it's, if our minds are trying to trick us into, well, they did all that and God still forgave them, so he'll still forgive me too. I might have a second to repent before I die, <laughs> right? I remember thinking that was that when I was a little punk teenager partying jerk, you know? Uh, well, I'm just still going to do all those things, you know? God, God you know, I'm just going to trust that I'll be able to say a, a last quick prayer if I'm going down in a, a plane or I'm about to, just the... That's foolishness, man. That's it's 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 straight foolishness that we should never live in. So verse thirty-eight again. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity, and did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh, a breath that passes away and does not come again. This is the Old Testament God. You know, that, that that people will say, well, the Old Testament God was so mean and he was just full of judgment and wrath and all those. No, this is this is a psalm. This is Old Testament stuff, right, where, where you can look at it and go, nope, this is right here, that he had compassion on them and forgave their iniquity, you know, when they would turn with and rend their hearts uh, to him. You know, for he remembered that they were but flesh. You know, we get to a point where we're sick and tired of ourselves. Uh, just understand, God knows who we are. <laughs> we're not we're not surprising Him by confessing sin. You know, have you ever been? You guys ever been in that spot? I know I have. You know, year, you know, way years back, where I'm afraid to confess a sin to God, like He didn't know it was there. Like I don't want to say this because then it's really going to come on. You know, that that's silly, right? You know, God God already knows it. You know, there's no flattery that can happen. You know, the, the, the sinfulness is going to come out in the wash, but God forgives. He remembers that we're, we're, we're flesh, we're sinful men. He knows who we are. Verse 40, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and, and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God and uh, limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy, when he worked his signs in Egypt and his, his wonders in the field of Zoan, turned their rivers into blood and their streams that they uh, could not drink. 
He sent swarms of flies among them, which devoured them, and frogs, which destroyed them. He also gave their crops to the caterpillar and their uh, labor to the locust. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamore trees with frost. He also gave up their cattle to hail and uh, their flocks to fiery lightning. He cast on them the fierceness of his anger, wrath, indignation, and trouble by sending angels of destruction among them. <clears throat> he made a path for his anger. He, made, uh, he did not spare their soul from death. He gave their life over uh, to the plague and destroyed all the firstborn in Egypt, uh, the first of their strength in the tents of, of Ham. Uh, you know, the judgment that was poured out on Egypt. It just and, and uh, Asaph is writing there and going through those those judgments that he poured out, right? You know, the frogs, the flies, and all those things that just utterly destroyed Egypt. And it got to the point where the even the firstborn, after all the cattle, all the all the the vegetation, you know, trees stripped bare, everything. You know that that there was absolutely nothing left in Egypt. The firstborn are are, are even taken out. Um, that's there's just that that ultimate destruction that had had taken place there as he poured out his judgment on Egypt because of their oppression of Israel. He promised that uh, way back in Genesis 15 that he would do that, and he did, and he carried those things out as he made that uh, that promise to Abram. And, uh, and and he was telling that he would judge the nation that uh, that forced them into slavery and treated them so bad. Verse uh, 52 says, But he made his own people go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. And he led them on, on safely so that they did not fear but the sea overwhelmed their enemies. You know, his own people, they were led like sheep and guided like a flock. Uh, he led them to safety so that they did not fear. You know, like a father would, right? They're leading them to safety. You know, I know if my kid is crying out, they're scared, I'm going to run to him. What do you need? You know, and I'm going to I'm going to protect them. And uh, God, uh, so much more so, uh, even with the whole children of Israel, where it says that he... Um, you know, where it says he made his own people go forth like sheep and guided them uh, in the wilderness like a flock. The good shepherd, right? Consider God's heart. You want to understand God's heart better about uh, shepherding and, and with them being a flock? Go to John chapter 10. Uh, my, one of my favorite, if not my favorite uh, chapter in the Bible. I love John chapter 10. It just tells us who Christ is. Tells us who we are in his eyes. And that he, he, the, the great desire that he has to lead us and for us to follow him as sheep are to follow their shepherd, right? Verse 54, uh, and he brought them to his holy border, this mountain, uh, which his right hand had acquired. He also drove out the nations before them, allotted them to an inheritance uh, by survey, by measurement, if you want to look at it that way, and made the tribes of Israel dwell in tents. Yet they tested and provoked the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies, but turned back and, and acted unfaithfully like their fathers. They, did, uh, they were turned aside like a deceitful bow. You know, stiff-necked and hard-hearted. 
Remember, remember Stephen just blasting the religious leaders in Acts chapter 7? You're stiff-necked and hard-hearted just like your father's. I mean, Stephen wasn't out there to make friends, and we know he didn't. He lost his life that day. But man, was he faithful to the ministry that he was called to, that God used him mightily uh, to, to rebuke them. Verse 58, so they provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their carved images. That you can see when you, when you start reading through, um, uh, when you get into Kings uh, and Chronicles and you see this king came up and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And, and then, uh, you know, some of them are like, it seemed like their life was like a day long. And then uh, they're, they're taken out, right? There's a quick summary. That's not what you'd want on your gravestone. John's here, born this day, died this day, did evil in sight of the Lord and died, right? I'd rather have, you know, in there, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest, right? That's that's what we want, you know, that, that this man loved God, loved his family, something like that. But I don't want that, did evil in sight of the Lord and died. Uh, I don't want that to be the summary of my life. So they they would set up high places and um, and moved him to jealousy with their carved images. When God heard this, he was furious and greatly abhorred Israel. So that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had placed among the, uh, among men, and delivered his strength into captivity, and his glory into the enemy's hand. He also gave his people over to the sword and was furious with his inheritance. The fire consumed their young men, and their maidens were not given in marriage. Uh, their priests fell by the sword, and their widows made no lamentation. None of that uh, it was, was uh, anything that God desired or wanted. It was all a result of man's sin and uh, rebellious uh, idolatry. Uh, and look what ends up happening. They're, they're committing adultery against the Lord, and, and this, is, this is what ends up happening. God says, oh, you want to go do those things? Then go ahead and do them, and you're going to see uh, the, the fruits of those things uh, coming forward. Verse 65, then the Lord awoke as from sleep. Not that God was sleeping, but his, his uh, active attention turned toward these uh, what was going on here. Like a mighty man who shouts because of, uh, because of wine, and he beat back his enemies, and he put them to a perpetual reproach. Moreover, he rejected the, the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah, um, Mount Zion, which he loved. And he built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth, which he has established forever. He, so uh, God, made, God made the changes. And as the, the the nation of Israel, right, the eleven tribes that were that were rejecting him, and, and Judah had their times of rejecting also, but God chose the tribe of Judah for uh, the Messiah to come through. So He set Judah apart uh, and uh, had a, a the, the special salvation plan to come through through Judah. Is is uh, what we're seeing here? Rejected the tent of Joseph, did not chose the uh, did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. Uh, but chose the tribe of Judah, uh, Mount Zion, which he loved. And he built this. Uh, so I already read that. Um, now, uh, now we see God establishing a godly leader, right? So Israel in their rebellion uh, had said, you know, give us a king like everybody else has a king. So God gave them what they would want. The man that was head and shoulders above everybody, most handsome, big, strong guy. Um, and uh, you know, he started out right, King Saul did, when he was little in his own eyes. But then he was filled with pride and everything fell apart. So God gave them a godly king. 
in, in David. Not that David wasn't without fault, but his heart was set on the Lord and he loved God. Verse 70, he also chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes that uh, had young. He brought, uh, he brought him to, to shepherd, shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, uh, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. David understood what it was to be a leader because he spent time with dumb sheep out in, in the wilderness, right? They're prone to wander. You know, David understood that. And David understood that he was called to lead the nation in worshiping God, that God gave them a man that was after God's own heart. God said that. Uh, David, like we said, was not without fault and neither are we. David had his flaws. But ultimately, at the, at the core, he was somebody that was after a uh, man after God's own heart. So they wanted a king. God gave them the king. Oh, so you want a king? Oh, here's the one. See how this works out for you. Okay, they didn't work out well. Just like God, in his grace and mercy and his, his compassion, forgave their sins, God says, I'm going to give you a king that's going to be a leader. And look at, look at the nation of Israel. Their flag still has the star of David on it, right? You know, consider, you know, the king that, that, that God did give them uh, in David. <clears throat> that, that uh, you know, they thought that they, they had everything that they needed uh, and they just complained about, uh, against God and God in his graciousness, in his compassion, didn't wipe them all out, you know, and, and he's so gracious and so loving to, uh, to restore us, you know, to bring us to that point where we, we're corrected. We get that spiritual spanking and, and he, he wants us to repent, wants us to turn. And then comes the blessing. Right. As we've turned and God says, this is where I wanted to be all along. You brought yourself through and you got this scar, that scar. And, you know, you got this that you got to deal with in life and all those things because of that. But now you're where I want you to be. And, and th that God took the, the chaos and the craziness and and uh, the sinfulness of them. And, and God set them straight and gave them a godly king, uh, one that would lead them. And uh, so you know, it's, it's quite a study here, you know, that, that those two kind of come together. Uh, and and speak of of Israel's um, faithlessness and uh, their idolatry and the adultery within their heart and God's faithfulness to correct and restore. Let's pray, Father. We are grateful for your word, and we ask God that you would continue to uh, work in our lives and and uh, just continue to help us to mature in our relationship with you. We love you. We praise you, and uh, we're grateful uh, for your word that it, it blesses and protects us and uh, our minds and our hearts. That that it's alive and powerful, Lord. That that we can find shelter in your word. We can find correction when we're needed. We uh, find restoration. Oh God, help us not to depart, but to see these things, these examples, learn from them, and be steadfast in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and peace to you. Have a good night.